I'm going to be speaking this morning on uh, Mary, uh, the mother of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to take um, three Marys for the next three weeks, starting with the mother of the Lord, and then going on to talk about Mary Magdalene and Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. It's uh, always interesting to just ponder uh, the characters, and particularly these women that don't have an awful lot of... Uh, um, said about them in, in scripture but there's something I think really deep and it's uh, in their relationship with the Lord and in their attitude to the things of God that I think we can all benefit from. So I'd like to just read, um, they're all well known um, passages but I think it's beneficial for just to refresh our memories again uh, if we could turn to Luke chapter 1. Sometimes these scriptures only get read at Christmas time. Uh, so in case you start looking out the window to see if it's snowing, it's, uh, it's actually Easter time. Isn't it? Uh, Luke chapter 1 verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David and the virgin's name was Mary and coming in he said to her hail favored one the Lord is with you but she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be and the angel said to her do not be afraid Mary for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Just uh, leave it there for just now. There's many other scriptures I'll be referring to, but for the sake of time, just to give a flavour of Again, uh, the situation with Mary and uh, how she must have been shocked uh, with this visitation from the angel of the Lord. I was um, born and brought up in a part of Scotland which we would call the, the Protestant part. Um, in Scotland there where you were brought up, you went to a Catholic school or a Protestant school. And I went to a Protestant school. 
And when you went to a Protestant school, you were anti-Catholic. <laughs> and when you were anti-Catholic, then you picked up on the things that the Catholics taught, and you were taught, hey, that's wrong. <laughs> and one of the things that's sad, really, was that because the Catholics um, exalted the person Mary, we did the opposite and were constantly knocking her <coughs> uh, in our discussions and our thinking that because the Catholics said that she was immaculate, uh, because she was holy, and because they would say things like she remained a virgin all her life, and then they also claimed that she ascended up into heaven in bodily form, which we were taught, of course, that that's a lot of nonsense. <coughs> but it <coughs> coloured my thinking of Mary, <laughs> which is a bit sad when I was younger, because she's a remarkable woman. And I think uh, <coughs> what I want to do this morning is actually be picking up on some of the, the facts about Mary that make her remarkable and um, dispense with the, the myths that have come out about her. It, it's amazing actually when you, you just try and meditate on the situation that a young girl, I don't know how old she was, but the general consensus of opinion was that she was in her late teens and uh, she was betrothed which in the, the Jewish system, she was effectively married, although they hadn't come together as man and wife, but they were, by all intents and purposes, uh, much stronger than an engagement, as we would see it. Uh, they, they were actually betrothed to each other. And when you think about her being visited by the angel of God, Gabriel, and being told as she was that she had been chosen, that, that God had favoured her and that the Lord was with her, must have actually shaken her to the core. Because if you just try and think about what that would be like to be visited like that and then to be told something remarkable that the Son of God was going to be implanted in your womb and she would be giving birth to him to him <coughs> and whilst she questions well how will that be she gets the answer and it almost seems immediate that she says well whatever you say I'll do it's complete submission uh, almost immediately which I find, when I thought about it, the more I thought about it, the more remarkable it was. Because what she was agreeing to was that she probably fully understood that nobody was going to believe her. And she was going to be ridiculed. She was going to have to go to her husband, Joseph, and explain to him that actually <coughs> she's pregnant. But it wasn't with another man. <coughs> and he's not going to believe that, obviously. I say obviously because uh, it wasn't until later that Joseph had it explained to him. 
by the angel <coughs> that he had to take maybe because what she was stating was true but at that point in time again the, the scriptures don't give us a lot of detail but try and imagine that she would have had to explain to Joseph and she would be contemplating the possibility of a life of bringing up a child on her own of the difficulties that that would have been made for her and for the fact that she would have been a, an outcast in her community because she would have been seen as an immoral woman but then but to actually be able to turn around and said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. It's just remarkable, and I think it's really encouraging for us to learn from Mary the total subjection that she was prepared to take what was going to be possibly a life, a most difficult life, because that's what the Lord wanted her. He had chosen her, and he had a purpose for her. And if that meant that she was going to be chastised, ridiculed, and impoverished, and everything else that might have gone with being an outcast, then she says, so let it be. I think that's remarkable for a, a young woman to have grasped that so quickly. But, of course, we accept <coughs> that God chose her. And he didn't just choose anybody. I mean, she was regarded as a, a favoured woman because she'd been given a privilege of bringing into this world the Son of God. And whether she grasped that immediately or not, uh, Elizabeth certainly did later on. And uh, we've gone on to read about the fact that she went to her, her, uh, her cousin, I think it was, her, her relation, Elizabeth. And when she spoke, Elizabeth, who had John the Baptist <laughs> in her womb at that time, you remember the story that John wept <coughs> within her womb voice of the mother of the Lord Jesus of course it's a lovely picture about you want to answer some questions about when did life begin <laughs> um, but John heard and he wasn't born yet but again it just highlighted the, the leaping was evidence that the Lord was with Mary and that her voice carried prominence because of who she was because God had chosen her for a purpose and Elizabeth was able to recognise that and to be saying um, uh, what was it she said <coughs> and how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me for behold when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. It was a picture of the joy of it all. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. 
Elizabeth recognised this, um, and Mary stayed there for three months. And it was—I don't think it was—it was—it um, was all organised by the Lord. The Lord was guiding her, because that was a difficult three months, <coughs> as I said, because she was pregnant and she wasn't hadn't been with a man, and here she is getting prepared for this deal, uh, how she was going to handle it. And the, the Lord was took her to a, a woman who understood, who had had the miracle of becoming pregnant in her old age. And uh, so therefore, he, she also had seen the hand of the Lord, and together they could strengthen themselves. So again, these two women together, it's nice to think of those three months and the discussions they were having together, uh, both pregnant and both had the hand of the Lord on them and uh, both of them submitting to it. And it's, um, it's just lovely that uh, in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 46, when Mary uh, called the Magnificat, that Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Saviour. <coughs> for he has had regard for the humble state of his bondservant. I think, you know, that again, maybe to combat the, what the Catholics actually teach, that here is Mary saying quite clearly that she regards the, the Lord as her saviour. The Catholics some, you know, say that you know, Mary, <coughs> you can pray to Mary and that Mary can save you. Uh, that Mary has got um, powers, uh, that she has got a link uh, with God. But what's quite clear from that statement there is that Mary is saying that what she was carrying in her womb was our saviour. So it was, a, it was again a great appreciation that she had of the understanding as a young woman but God chose her because she was humble and she recognised that too for he has had regard for the humble state of his bond servant or the bond slave. I think again there's teaching there for us in how we regard ourselves before God is that Mary was obviously a woman who submitted herself to her God and she was humble and she did not exalt herself even after she had been chosen like this she did not laud it and she remained humble and that was why the Lord chose her he chose her to bring forth his son as the son of man on earth to fulfill the most marvellous uh, plan of redemption that we often think about in the remembrance and think about in our private meditations. This was the most remarkable event that was going to take place ever. And a very humble girl was chosen for it. And that speaks volumes about how we should be conducting ourselves as those who have been chosen by God, who've been called by God, and who have got a purpose in the mind of God 
that we don't think you're better than others. Or we should not think of ourselves as particularly above it. We are. We should remain humble and accept, like Mary, that that's why we've been called. And it's all about God. And it's all the work that's been done in our redemption, our salvation, is all by another. Nothing to do with the who we are or what we are. One of the other things I just picked up on was that um, one of Mary, she pondered the words of Gabriel. And it says that uh, also later um, in chapter <coughs> 2 of Luke. Uh, it talks about Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. Again, it speaks about a woman who was a thinker. She wasn't just going to accept these things and just uh, go along with it and shrug her shoulders and think, I don't know what's happening here. She was an intelligent little girl. She was somebody who was, when things were happening, she stopped, she treasured, and she pondered. And again, there's teaching there for us that as we are given things by God, that that's how we should respond to the, the word of God as he feeds us, is that we should treasure the word of God and we should ponder them and think, well, why has God chosen me? Why has he put me where I am? Why is it during this time? What is the purposes of God? ponder them and to treasure what the, the purposes of God are in your life and in my life. This is what Mary did. Um, just going on, when she um, she gave birth and of course the, the, the story about the, the, the birth of Christ is well known and what she saw with the shepherds coming and then eventually that the wise men uh, coming and the way they worshipped and as she would have seen the response of these people uh, to the birth that she had given. Again, these were things that were building up inside her of a knowledge and an appreciation of who God is and how he was using her and who this child was. It must have been amazing for her as she held that child knowing where he had come from and listening to other people worshipping him and feeling the hand of God in her life as she brought him up. There's another time, of course, you remember when he was 12 years old when they lost him in the temple and eventually when they found him, you remember he responded to them, well, don't you realise I need to be about the things of my father? And again, it was something that Mary would have pondered. She would have, would have been amazed at the response of the Lord Jesus and the words of him as to, and wondering uh, as to how he was going to develop and what he was going to do. When you come to the... Um, the story about the, uh, the wedding at Cana. <coughs> you remember the story there. Um, 
John 2, where Mary is the one who comes to the Lord and says, they have no wine. When I was thinking about this, I think the relationship between the Lord and Mary must have been remarkable. I think during those 30 years and maybe the difficulties that he'd gone through and presumably the death of Joseph because he was never mentioned again so he presumably died sometime between the Lord being 12 year old and 30 year old and the, the Lord would have been the oldest, he was the oldest so he would have been the one that she would have confided in <coughs> and that relationship I can again you can only meditate on and try and appreciate what it must have been like but I think that when you get to the the wedding you get an insight into it that it's almost as if Mary comes to him they've got no wine why did she say that to him it's almost as if she knew and you wonder again had the Lord God in heaven given her through the Holy Spirit some insight into he's ready I can see his development and the things that he's been talking to me about, he's, he's ready to go into his ministry. And uh, is that why she went to him? They have no wine. What did she expect? Uh, the, the response from the Lord is, um, well, I think it's translated quite, it's a difficult translation. Um, the actual translation from the Greek, I think, is what to me and to you. Uh, my hour had not yet come. What to me and to you? Um, I think that's been translated, well, what's that to do with me? <laughs> um, I think it, it, to me, it could be translated this relationship. What to me and to you would mean together. What are you, what are you saying this for? Um, there was a togetherness there between the two of them. It was almost as if this is the, the trigger. This is him starting. And because his response to her was enough to make her go to the servants and say whatever he said to you, she knew it was coming. And I think to me that was just a shows how close they were and how knowledgeable she was about the purposes of God that were going to be seen in Christ. And uh, this was the beginning, and she knew it. There's another incident, incident when, um, if you remember, in Luke 8, um, where he's got the crowd around him, and his mother and his brothers come along, and they're trying to speak with him. <coughs> Somebody told the, the Lord, your, your mother and your brothers are here. And his response was um, that my mother and my brothers are those who do my will, who hear my word and do what I say. Which seemed uh, at first a little bit of a, a knockdown, <laughs> you know, as if he was disowning them. I think it's probably the opposite to that. I think, again, that relationship that Mary had with the 
the Lord was so close that what the Lord was actually saying was that my mother and that relationship I've got with her and my love for her and my brothers and sisters is the same with those who receive my word and do it. And I think he was that he was fanning out and embracing a much larger body of people that this family relationship was going to be enlarged <coughs> greatly by the fact that it was all those who would uh, trust in him and follow him were going to have the same relationship or have the opportunity to have the same relationship as he had with his mother and his brothers. I know his, his brothers um, <coughs> mentioned in prayer this morning that brothers initially rejected him but we know certainly later that certain James uh, followed him and uh, became one of the leaders amongst the, the people of God after the Lord went back to heaven <coughs> um, I think also again jumping back a little bit I should have mentioned that when um, Mary took the Lord um, to be circumcised on the eighth day to the temple when they met uh, Simeon and Anna uh, Simeon warned her uh, from God who, who he had been promised that uh, he wouldn't die until he'd seen the salvation of the world and uh, he saw the Lord and uh, he was thrilled <laughs> but he warned Mary that a sword would pierce her heart and that, that was another instance, I think, you know, where Mary would have been pondering these things. And you think, why would it, why was that the case? You know, why was she going to suffer like that? Was there a purpose for it all? And of course, again, it just, as I was saying there about the relationship was such, and you might say it was a mother and son relationship is very common, that it's a strong bond. Uh, and this was no exception and probably far deeper that the relationship that Mary was going to have not just because the Lord was her son that she'd given birth to but because he was her saviour that it actually gave a deeper relationship and <coughs> Simeon warned her you know that the sword is going to pierce the heart of the soul and um, of course I believe that that was referring to the time at the end when the Lord would be on the cross and she would be standing watching her son die. I think that's probably the case. Um, I, I don't think there's any reason to um, question that, that that's what Simeon was referring to. Um, to for, a for a mother to watch her son die must be horrendous can imagine um, but also with the knowledge that Mary had of who he was and where he had come from it made it much deeper and that the, the piercing that she was struggling with and suffering from at the cross I think must have been very very deep indeed 
think when she was taken away, when the Lord said to John, who was beside her, uh, Behold your mother, and mother, behold your son. Then again, you're seeing the love of Christ, particularly for his mum. That warmth, that even in all his suffering, you see the care. John was Mary's nephew, so there was probably um, close family relations anyway, and Mary had lost her husband, and she was now going to lose her son um, physically, um, and she would have been feeling very low, and the Lord was showing the love pouring out there. And he was requesting of John to look after his mum. And I think that's, uh, again, a very warm, endearing picture that uh, even although the Lord was going to rise again, that this he was prepared and caring for the physical um, needs of his mother. It's interesting when you read in Acts 1 that when the, the Lord Jesus Christ had ascended from the Mount of Olives and, gone, and the disciples had gone back to the upper room, that there was about 120 of them in that upper room, and one of them was the Lord's mother. It's referred to by name. So, again, <coughs> Mary, she saw his death. I like to think that probably the Lord appeared to her. <coughs> Again, I don't know that. The scriptures don't actually say that. But it's hard not to believe that the Lord must have come back to his mum. Because <coughs> he appeared to 500. And I can't believe one of them wouldn't have been his mum. <coughs> uh, just to, to show her, he, her that he'd risen. I think probably she was on the Mount of Olives. She probably saw the ascension as well, but maybe that's speculation, too much speculation, but she was certainly in the upper room after that, where they were praying and worshipping, and she was part of it all. So although she had uh, struggled with the crucifixion, although her heart was pierced, um, she had the joy of seeing resurrection she had the joy of seeing his ascension and she had the joy of the knowledge that he was her savior and I think she indeed was a woman who had been exalted <laughs> above other women because she had been given the privilege of giving birth to the Lord Mary was the wife of Joseph. And again, just to dispense with any speculation that tends to come through about Mary that um, she remained a virgin is nonsense because she had at least six children. She had four men and, uh, and sisters. So even assuming that it was only two sisters, she had at least six children. And... Um, 
the fact that it was a miraculous conception, then she gave birth as a virgin. And that was important, and that was uh, decreed by the Lord. But after that, <coughs> she only remained a virgin until the birth of Christ. And then other children came after that. Mary was not immaculate. Because, as I said, she mentioned my saviour. She wouldn't have needed a saviour if she was immaculate. So what the Catholic Church is stating is absolute nonsense. The Lord had mother and brothers <coughs> and she had no privilege. She was an ordinary woman. And Mary did not ascend into heaven in bodily form because we read in 1 Corinthians 15 that Christ is the first fruit, then they that are Christ's at his coming. And what he's saying quite clearly is that after the resurrection of Christ, there was no um, ascension or uh, resurrection. And it won't happen until the Lord comes. And that's when the next ascension will take place, when the dead in Christ shall rise first. Mary, although we don't read about it, quite clearly died <coughs> at some stage. And her soul went to heaven that we can be sure of and her body's in the ground waiting for the rapture so I think um, you dispense with some of the, the, the myths about Mary but I just want to just finish really by saying she is a remarkable woman and I think just to pick up and reiterate what I've said uh, about the way she responded to Gabriel was I think remarkable and it's interesting to compare her with Zachariah. They, uh, uh, when Gabriel had come to him and said, you know, that in your old age, you're going to give birth or your wife will give birth to a, uh, to a son. His response was, well, I'm not sure about that. I'm, I'm old and my wife is old. And Gabriel's response to his questioning was, I am Gabriel, who stands before the Lord, and I've come to give you a message, and now you're going to shut up, because <laughs> I'm going to, to be silent for about nine months. Whereas with Mary, although she quite clearly said, well, how can this be? Uh, she clearly accepted that whatever 